Hoops Talk dominates the open of the show this week. Want to talk Michigan and Michigan State. Talk about the Pistons as well. What's ahead for them after Mm. they've lost seven in a row. Uh, Get to play a little trivia with Brad and Blake. Test their knowledge about the NFL Combine, which I'm sure they'll love. Uh, Dan Setkowski stops by the show this week. Mm. Uh, We'll talk to him as he uh, departs his time here at ESPN 100.9 FM on our high school sports coverage and then quick hits to wrap up the show. So without further ado, this week's episode of the Offseason Podcast. ESPN 100.9 FM presents the Offseason Podcast. Recorded every week inside the ESPN 100.9 FM studios high atop Dow Diamond. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, or at ESPN1009.com. It is the Offseason Podcast. Matt DeVries, Blake Froling, and Brad Tunney with you inside our ESPN 100.9 FM studios high atop Dow Diamond. You can follow the radio station on Twitter at ESPN1009. And we're on Twitter as well, DeVries underscore Matt B. Froling, Brad underscore Tunney. Blake Froling is fresh off the SVL Championships. You just got done calling those tonight at Bay City Western. Brad just got done doing the Northwood SVSU doubleheader on Thursday night. Big wins for the Timberwolves to end the GLIAC regular season. Uh, Before we get started, I want to address the uh, elephant in the room. Blake Froling was eating macaroni and cheese with a knife today. I I don't know how I, I feel about that. You have to make do with what you have. I mean, we can't find a spoon around here for you? I mean, we could have, but it's a whole process. It's literally walking like... Mm, but know, it's the guilt. Yeah. Taking the plasticware. Yeah. You feel guilty about that? Slightly. Why? Have you been uh, chastised for stealing no. plasticware? No. I think this is already too much talk yeah. about it. We don't really want this out in the open. Yeah. Ouch. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll start with the hoops. As promised, Michigan State... Uh, kind of started to right the ship a little bit. Took down a very good Iowa team at the Breslin Center this week. Now 19-9, and 11-6 in the Big Ten. Uh, they will be in Maryland this weekend. College game day will be on site at College Park uh, for the matchup this weekend, 8 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, Sparty, number seven in the Ken Palm rankings. And uh, heading into this matchup, Tom Izzo feels a little bit better about the way his group is playing, saying, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't looking forward to going to Maryland this weekend for what should be one of the premier matchups in the country this weekend. Maryland can be had. Mm -hmm. We saw that in spurts in the last matchup with the Terrapins. We saw that the other night when they almost lost to a below 500 Minnesota team, Mm -hmm. down 16 in the first half in that game. They're very inconsistent, just like Michigan State. If the Spartans play like they did in the second half specifically against Iowa defensively the key part, then they should win. Hmm. But Maryland is a very tough place to play, an underrated tough place to play, I think. They've got the whole wall behind one of the baskets, which is kind of a cool thing that they have. They just need guys to make shots, and that sounds super cliche, but that's been their problem. The role players not making shots when they're open in key positions, and it's just Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman initiating everything. If that third or fourth guy can step up for them like they did against Iowa, they will win. 
I was talking to our friend Adam Jaxa over in Mount Pleasant this week when I was there to do a, a CMU men's game on the radio with him, and he was saying, I've been watching State the last couple of weeks, and that offense is just brutal. It's it's the the one-two option with Winston and Tillman. Tillman sets a screen up top, and then it's action off of that every single time. He said there's nothing sexy about Michigan State's offense, and you need the freshmen to start playing better. Rocket Watts has started to make some shots. Malik Hall played uh, with a lot of confidence against Iowa. They just need more consistency from those role players especially those freshmen, I think that would go a long way to to Michigan State's success and beginning with that that game against Maryland on Saturday. They don't need to do anything sexy because the matchup with Cassius Winston is enough to confound defenses right there. If he can pass off a screen to anybody sitting at the three-point line, that offense is tough to stop. The problem is Michigan State has been an average three-point shooting team. They've regressed from last year because they don't have that go-to shooting guy like they had with Matt McQuaid. Kenny Goins was shooting better than their other options last year. Rocket Watts is inconsistent. He played well against Iowa, but he doesn't always do that. So they don't have that consistent shooting threat that really confounded defenses last year. And that's that's been their problem consistency-wise. Now, could they run a grinder against Maryland? Maybe. I think they've got the defense to do that because Maryland can be just as inconsistent and just as hot, just like Michigan State can be, as we saw in the final three minutes of that game a couple weeks ago. Brad, I saw on Michigan State Twitter after the Iowa game, you know, Xavier Tillman had a really nice night, especially against Luca Garza in the second half. And I saw a couple people that that follow Michigan State basketball pretty closely hint at the fact that Xavier Tillman maybe likely not coming back for a senior season, being as plugged into the NBA for both of you guys, but I'll start with you. Do you think that's a realistic expectation that, Michigan State fans can expect Xavier Tillman won't be back for his senior year, that he's going to be turning pro. Whether he gets drafted or not, that's the the likelihood path forward for Xavier Tillman? I've never seen him as an NBA prospect. Okay. That doesn't mean he can't be. No, I understand that, but... I just He's not rocketing up draft boards by any stretch, and he's not projected to be a first-round pick. Yeah, and, and this may be partial bias of a guy that's not a one-and-done guy or is never a top-end prospect. I mean, he was not a national recruit. Mm-hmm. He was a state recruit. and Not that he went to Michigan State, but he was a Michigan-only recruit for the most part and has not wowed. I mean, he's been good. He's a good college basketball player. The same way there are good high school basketball players that turn into decent college players that are not NBA players. I've never, you asking that question, I've never even considered him to be an NBA prospect. And I, I didn't know if that's been a conversation surrounding him or not. Well, I think just turning pro, whether you're going to be a all-star or not, is a different conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a couple kids now, just mm-hmm. had a second child. Maybe he wants to go into the G League or go to Europe and start his professional career and start making money, regardless of if he thinks he's going to be drafted or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think he's an NBA guy at least based on what he looks like now. No, he needs to be more consistent shooting the three, mm-hmm. which he's done in spurts, but just like the rest of the entire lineup has been very inconsistent. He's a good defender, but he's also undersized. undersized. Yeah. He's a good he's a good size for the college game, but he's 6'8 or 6'9 and he doesn't have the vertical or the the lateral speed that a guy that size would need in the NBA. So he's kind of a tweener. Mm-hmm. So Michigan State in Maryland to take on the Terrapins. Uh, this weekend, 8 p.m. tip. Hopefully Mark Turgeon's all right with an 8 p.m. tip. Not very fond of the 9 p.m. tips. He 
openly complained about that in his on-television post-game interview that they had to play a late game in Minnesota. Heaven forbid you're on national television. Uh, sorry sorry to make you stay up past your bedtime, Mark, but uh, at least your team pulled out a, a win against a 500 Big Ten opponent. So kudos to you. Question. Why is Aaron Henry been bad this year why That's, yeah it's kind well, of a million dollar question he seems bad because of the expectations everybody put on him yeah, but he's worse than he was last year right mm, no i Aaron wouldn't Henry say so was inconsistent to start the year as a freshman and then really burst onto the scene postseason and by that i mean big 10 tournament and then had some good performances in the ncaa tournament and i think that's why many had lofty expectations for him coming into this season his sophomore campaign because there was there was even some minor talk after the NCAA tournament last year. Should Aaron Henry go pro? Right. And, and I remember those talks. And not being a large viewer of Michigan State basketball this season, a few games here or there, it just doesn't seem like, one, based on what I've seen, eye test, and the numbers, he's not a guy that it's like, oh, you're playing next to the best point guard in the country. You should at least be shooting it well or being able to score in double digits consistently. And he doesn't do either of those things. No. And he does it at a lower rate than he did last year as a freshman. Right. He has more responsibility, and the shooting numbers have taken a hit because of it. And we expected Henry to be maybe a 13 or 14-point-a-game guy. shoot close a, true, to, a true second option in the backcourt. Right. A true second scoring option, which has really been a revolving door. Right. One night it's Aaron Henry. One night it's Rocket Watts. You know, whoever. So he has been, I think, disappointing compared to the expectations we heaped on him. Maybe if he didn't explode in the NCAA tournament, we wouldn't have thought he'd be developing like this. Maybe we would have been okay with this. But, and at the same time, this was Josh Langford's role, a, f- a fourth-year guy yeah. that should have been here, should have been averaging 16 a game that Aaron Henry then had to fill maybe somewhat unexpectedly and just hasn't been to that same level that we would have expected. Do you think this has anything to do with him playing for a guy like Tom Izzo? We saw this, and we had questions kind of like this about Miles Bridges and Jaron Jackson. Now, they blossomed into very serviceable, you know, good young players in the NBA, and I think that's what a lot of Michigan State fans thought they were going to get with Jaron Jackson when he came on campus, this this surefire lottery pick, uh, you know, you know blue-chip five-star prospect, Brad, but the, he was handcuffed by Tom Izzo, and he was ridden harder than maybe any other player on the roster, and I think Tom Izzo has you know put fear into the life of Aaron Henry where he has that immediate reaction to look to the bench every time he makes a mistake. When you're not playing free and open basketball, you're too much in your head. You're bound to make more mistakes. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've I've over the years soured on Izzo uh, the same way I soured on Mark D'Antonio a little bit in Michigan State. It, it's just the brand of those two programs feels a little dated to me. And obviously the brand, and whatever that means, that's just the feel. And I don't know if it's right or wrong, but the feel I have and have had for many years about both Michigan State's men, men's basketball program and the football program is just the word dated. That's just for whatever reason comes to mind. And uh, it's based on the uh, the perception of Jaron Jackson Jr. sitting on the bench in crutch time it's based on the perception of a guy like miles bridges staying for a second year when that's not really the path a guy like that should be taking it just it everything about it just feels a little counter to what big programs do and for that reason i've just always kind of felt dated a little bit and i don't know if that means younger players struggle to connect with Izzo. he obviously still produces great teams gets decent recruits uh not nationally but at least within the midwest and 
Yeah, I, I mean, that very well could be the case for, for a guy like Gabe Brown. I just, uh, Does that make Aaron, sense to you, Blake? Aaron Henry, who you're referring Aaron Henry, to. yeah. Um, I guess for both of them, though. Yeah, I, Gabe Brown was was a non-factor last year, though. Yeah. He was he was a He has also not really taken a jump, though. True, true. He's um, the best three-point shooter that Michigan State has right now, besides Cassius Winston. Saying something about the state of their three-point shooting. True, yeah. but a guy who wasn't, like he said, com- uh, relied on at all, playing a much bigger role. Mm-hmm. We just took for granted a lot of the experience that Michigan State had last year coming off the bench mm-hmm. and playing secondary scoring options. And now that these new guys are being forced into these roles, you're seeing how valuable experience is in college basketball. Mm-hmm. Michigan, on the other hand, lost at home to Wisconsin on Thursday, 81-74. They go to Ohio State on Sunday, 4 p.m. on CBS. And uh, the free press gets the Xavier Simpson video Ooh. out the 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 dashboard cam and the body cams from the police officers and doesn't really doesn't really position Xavier Simpson in the best light but obviously all of that has already come out and uh what's done is done and and the citation has been you know served to him and and we move on from that and Michigan's still a top 15 team in the Ken Palm and Michigan State ranks seventh in the Ken Palm so uh Big Ten still strong showing there as far as the analytics go Brad Uh, but as far as Michigan goes they kind of are a little too loosey-goosey for me. I don't know what I'm going to get night in and night out with with the Michigan Wolverines, and that can be a good thing come postseason time, and you can get really hot, a la UConn and Kemba Walker back in the day, winning five games and five nights in the Big East tournament, or it could really hamper them come the come the Big Ten tournament and the time when they're on the, the seven, six, seven, eight, nine seed line in the NCAA tournament. Well, I mean, to the point of being a little loose and a little inconsistent, I think that is an obvious with this Michigan Wolverines team. And I mean, since the 7-0 start, they're essentially a 500 basketball team. And look, they're still ranked. And like you said, they're still favorable in the Ken Palm rankings and all those things based on strength of schedule and based on just it being a battle every night in the Big Ten. But when you're a 500 basketball team after what was, I think, a start driven by adrenaline and a new coach and a great player um, in Xavier Simpson, and then Look, earlier in the year, you know, what, what can you expect early in the season? You're going to get ones from a couple of very good teams as they did. I think I think Mich- I think I'm more confident in Michigan State for, for, again from an outsider's perspective. I, I watch a little bit more Michigan State basketball than Michigan. I have not seen Michigan play a ton this year. But when you're 11 and 10 in your last 21 in college basketball, you're just you're not a team that like demands very much attention. At the same time, I think they've been pretty injury riddled. Isaiah Livers has been in and out of the lineup and even when he's in, I can guarantee he's not playing at 100% strength. And missing all that time has really thrown off his development because he is probably the best scorer, best shooter on that team when fully healthy. And if he had a full, healthy season, he would be one of the best players in the entire Big Ten. So that that hurts your entire continuity. And you could see he was healthy in the beginning of the season when they had that hot start, and he's been in and out of the lineup as Michigan has turned into a 500 team. So that's where I think that inconsistency mostly stems from. So Michigan has Ohio State down in Columbus on Sunday. That's 4 p.m. on CBS. I want to wrap up our hoops talk in the first segment by getting a little Pistons in here as well. We don't have to go on the court unless you guys want to. Um, There is the opportunity, of course, whenever I bring up the NBA, you guys can sidetrack us as much or as little as you want. Uh, But 
I've seen it a little bit on Pistons Twitter over the last week or two. Uh, there's the possibility if they continue to lose at the rate they're losing, they've lost seven in a row, that they can dip into the top five and top three in the NBA draft lottery, depending on how the, the other teams at the bottom of the NBA standings shake out. And I want to bring up because um, Sam Vicente from The Athletic has a new big board out for the NBA draft for the 2020 draft. I want to try and just get a sense of how far do the Pistons need to climb in the lottery to get a, a player that's that's worth getting in the top five? Or is it really as much of a crapshoot as you guys have made it out to be this year? Kind of a crapshoot, I think. I mean, Anthony Edwards would be nice. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe any of these guys you have listed here in the top seven would be forced to play right away for the Pistons. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they would be a benefit, but when the, the talent cupboard is as bare as it is with the Pistons, you can't really, beggars can't be choosers here. You, you just got to find a fit and plug them in. So it is not the deepest draft. And if they drop out of the top four or five, then they're really not going to get a, an impact player for year one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we've said for months now on this show, this very well could be, I mean, this is the worst draft of, of my lifetime, dating back to the mid-90s, I think. I mean, this is worse than the Anthony Bennett draft where, at least there was some talent that you could cling to at the top. This one, Anthony Edwards, to me, is probably the best player in this draft, and I have not looked through all of these. James Weissman very well should be the best player in this draft based on the talent, but the issue with a lot of these guys is we're not seeing any of them play. Anthony mm-hmm. Edwards is the only one, and he looks like Andrew Wiggins of the college game. He just doesn't Ooh. He doesn't show up very well. I mean, he has been compared to a poor man's Donovan Mitchell, which, like, with the number one pick is not is not good enough. And behind him, no one can see LaMelo ball play. He's not playing in Australia anymore. All the other guys are European guys or playing overseas. James Wiseman is done for the year. Obi Toppin is the only guy that has really even taken up any of my bandwidth all year. And it's, again, for me, I'm drawn to college basketball during the season if there is a supremely talented team. And for the past couple of years, that's been Duke high-level recruits, got a team that you can cling to. There is not a high-level team like that this year in college basketball. And then who at the top of the draft can I watch night in and night out that I can truly care about? And like Obi Toppin at Dayton is like the only one. And I don't really care about him either because he's just a big guy who dunks on everyone. Mm-hmm. And he plays against weaker competition. Right. And I mean, Dayton's a top-five team in the country but right. and because he's maybe a top-five player in the country, but... He doesn't really spin my wheels much either. So the the top of the draft board seems weak because it is. And then on top of that, there's just very little interest because we can't see any of these guys. And in terms of one and done, it was a bad high school class coming into college. And, and this class for me is as bad as I've ever seen coming into the NBA. And unfortunately, the Pistons decided this was the year <laughs> that they were going to mail it in when they couldn't have done it last year got a chance at John Morant or Zion Williamson. As we saw the Pelicans jump how many spots to get the number one pick. You you just have to give yourself a puncher's chance in years that matter. And they gave themselves a chance this year in a year that completely doesn't matter. And look, there are going to be some guys that are drafted 10 through 20 that will be good. Mm -hmm. There will be a guy in the top 10 who will be an all-star. It's just statistically how it works. Is it Anthony Edwards? I think he's got the best chance. Is it one of these Euro guys that I know nothing about? Maybe. But, like, I've seen Anthony Edwards play, and, and like, I'm, I don't even think he's Donovan Mitchell. He destroyed Michigan State. <laughs> he did, early in the year. <laughs> yeah. Very early in the year. And mm-hmm. that was, like, the best game he's played this year. Probably, yeah. And with one of the best prospects in the draft being James Wiseman, who's a center, you I, just did, can't I, touch did, him I did want to post that, pose that question to you as well. We, we on this 
show all the time tend to trash centers in the NBA today, unless you can shoot the three, unless you're a multifaceted big man like a Jaron Jackson. And James Wiseman doesn't seem to be that. So even if you do get all the way to the number two pick and Anthony Edwards goes number one and James Wiseman is sitting there at two, is that even a good move for the Pistons? Because you'd essentially be replacing Andre Drummond with a younger version of Andre Drummond. No, I mean, centers in the NBA have become truly the running backs of the NFL. You, you just can't spend high picks on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, DeAndre Ayton was a number one pick, yeah. and he was not even in the starting lineup in year two of his career with a non-playoff team in Phoenix this year because Aaron Baines was giving them more. So unless you're Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis, if you consider him a center, whatever, unless you are those guys. Rudy Gobert. Sure, but he was not even a draft prospect. But but unless you're going to be those guys, and Jaron Jackson Jr. very well could turn into one of those guys, you can't afford spending a top five pick on a center, especially when you're the Pistons, when you don't have any guard talent either, which is how you win. If the Pistons have the opportunity to do it, it's Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball or bust for me. Tyrese Halliburton from Iowa State is getting some love as well. Mm who has kind of been flying under the radar because he plays for Iowa State. So again, it's tough to find these elite guys yeah. at the smaller schools. He's also out for the year now with an injury. Again, you can't watch any of these guys. Right, yeah. so we haven't been able to see him for the past month or so, but he's another guy that fits the need. Cole Anthony, another guy that would be interesting in the Pistons uniform. Team. Playing on a terrible North Carolina team, which is weird to say, mm-hmm. and he's been hurt a lot this mm-hmm. year. So it, it is it's like the least visible high-end draft class that we've seen. Thinking through how close the Pistons get, could get to the number one pick, they have the sixth toughest schedule remaining based on opponent percentage. They play five games against who I think are the top five teams in the NBA right now. They still have the Bucks, the Lakers, the Raptors, the Celtics, and the Clippers, plus a game against the Rockets. Of the 22 games left, 12 of them are on the road. They're going to have a great chance of of not winning very many games down the stretch. They've already lost 13 of 15. They're 2-13 and 13 in their last 15 games. Mm-hmm. And like Matt said, losses in seven in a row. The tank is on. The tank is on. The only teams with worse strength of schedules in the top five, again, Detroit is six, is Memphis, who's fighting for a playoff spot. They will not, obviously, lose that many games. But then the other teams are already behind them. Washington, Gold State, Chicago, and Charlotte. So... I mean, Detroit is as bad as any team in the league roster-wise. Some of their wins were obviously aided by Drummond earlier in the year, but I think they have a legitimate chance in in getting down to two or three. I think that's very fair. And the parting thought is, regardless of how far they fall, the draft class isn't great. So, you know, if you see people celebrating, hey, tanking is on, the Pistons are finally doing it, we're going to get a high draft pick, we'll temper those expectations and be mindful that, this isn't just a one-year plan and that the tank is to to rebuild for 2021. No, this is a much longer process that needs to take place. There is still cumbersome contracts, a la Blake Griffin, on the books that need to be taken care of. They need to do this again next year in order to better mm-hmm. position themselves to, to kind of get a better draft pick, get into that draft lottery, the top end of it, and get that top three pick that you can really hit on almost one of those surefire guys and... That unfortunately for basketball fans in Detroit and Michigan, that's what you're going to have to live with for a while. Survive with Michigan and Michigan State basketball and the CMU women who are a juggernaut. That's all you can really pay attention to in this state right now. We'll do the NFL draft comp. We'll do the NFL combine, not the necessarily the NFL draft combine, but mm. in a different way. Mm. Want to play a, a little trivia with the guys mm. on the other side of the table? That's next, the offseason podcast.
Back here on the Offseason Podcast, ESPN 100.9 FM. Matt, Blake, and Brad with you inside the studios high atop Dow Diamond in downtown Midland. Do you want to get to Dan Satkowski coming up a little bit later? He stopped by this week, uh, known by many as Ski around the region, and with us here at 100.9 FM, uh, Ski unofficially signed off for the last time with Blake for our high school sports coverage and uh, maybe Ski sticks around and he pops in on a broadcast once in a while. But on the regular, Dan Satkowski wrapped up his time with us at 100.9 FM. So I want to get to that uh, coming up a little bit later. But before we do that, the NFL Combine is upon us. Blake brought to my attention that it's in prime time now this year, which I <laughs> could not care any less about uh, watching the Combine live personally. Now, you don't care about the punter doing more bench presses than any tight end? I did watch that on Twitter. So I don't care to sit down and watch on television, but I'll I'll find whatever happened that day on Twitter before I go to bed. So it, it's just that. why do you need to have a punter go through the bench press so he can out bench uh, other guys like Jadavian Clowney? I'm I'm just surprised that the NFL has not changed anything they do drill wise in the combine in however many years. Mm-hmm. Especially there was a good article on ESPN about how how bad the combine is for showcasing the skills of quarterbacks these days. And they gave ideas for new drills that they should do that show off uh, off off-script plays and running out of the pocket and things like that versus just the same throws over and over and over again with no one coming at you. Mm -hmm. Like You'd think the NFL would want to see the players in as many different situations as possible. And they're just like, yeah, let's just have them do a bench press and run in a straight line. That's good enough. Are you a big combine guy? Do you care, Brad? Not at all. Okay, cool. Well, this is a good way to kind of poke fun at it then because I have five trivia questions for you. They're in front of you, so you can be prepared with the answers that are available for you, but maybe some answers that would surprise you a little bit with the options that come with the questions. So let's do NFL Combine trivia to to kind of satisfy the football fan and listener. Uh, The first question is, who had the highest vertical out of these three options at the NFL Combine? Khalil Mack, RG3, or Julio Jones? Now, this is an interesting list. Okay. And you told me I was going to be surprised. So I'm going to guess Khalil Mack. See, there's all of these, if we followed this enough, should just be like, oh, yeah, I remember hearing about that. Mm-hmm. I I feel like Khalil Mack coming out of his combine was just like, yeah, can you believe he, he's a freak? He's like an absolute freak. I'm going to go Khalil Mack. Yeah, Khalil Mack had a 40-inch vertical at the NFL combine. Over RG3 and Julio Jones. Which 2019 Pro Bowler ran the slowest 40 time out of Jared Cook, Russell Wilson, DeAndre Hopkins, and Von Miller? I'm going Russell Wilson. QB1 out of Wisconsin. Yeah, it's either Russ or Jared Cook. Considering Jared Cook is a tight end and is the largest man on this group, I think. Von Miller's pretty big. But I I think Jared Cook is like 6'6". D-Hop ran a 4.57. He is the slowest on the list. Wow. DeAndre Hopkins. Yes. Wow, that is That's... surprising. You got me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Very much so. The only player to bench fewer yeah. than 10 reps but be selected in the top 15. This is since 2003. We have Jay Cutler, Christian McCaffrey, yeah. OBJ, and Jalen Williams. It's either OBJ or Jay Cutler. Was Jay Cutler a top 15 pick? He was. Hmm. I would assume all of them were. Yeah, well, I would have, but I just want to make sure it wasn't a trick question. I'm going to say here... Ooh, A or C. I'll go Jalen Ramsey. Okay. Off the board. Off the board. Off the, uh, that's off the it, That's kind of fair. 
Um, I'll take uh, I'll take OBJ. Yeah, Odell Beckham Jr. had seven reps at the NFL Combine, but was drafted 12th overall by the New York Giants. Which quarterback had the fastest 40 time? Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Andrew Luck, or Tim Tebow? Give me Josh Allen. Yeah, I'll take Allen here. Andrew Luck, a 4-6-7-40, outran Pat Mahomes at the Allen's NFL a little stocky. Combine. Yeah, but he's the most mobile quarterback of yeah. these. Josh Allen's more mobile than Pat Mahomes. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he has a ton of rushing touchdowns. The bruiser. Numbers never lie. Fair enough. Last one, shortest player to run a sub 4-4 and bench more than 15 reps since 2003. Darren Sproles, Maurice Jones-Drew, Trendon Holiday. I've never heard of Trendon Holiday. Ooh, what? return man for LSU. I got Trendon Holiday here. I, don't, I doubt Maurice Jones-Drew ran a sub 4-4. I'll take Trendon Holiday. Seems too easy, so I'll go MJD. MJD, Maurice Jones-Drew was 5-6 and 3 quarters. He ran a sub 4-4 and benched more than 15 reps. How about that? The combine is a crapshoot. Like, it can help your draft status, but it shouldn't kill your draft status by any stretch. Like, Darius Hayward Bay, one of the fastest 40 times. The Raiders fell in love with him. He's kind of been a nobody in the NFL. Well, like, you just, you never know. He was kind of a nobody in college and then ran the 40. And there you go. L. Davis is an idiot. So. You guys interested in some aggregated mock drafts? Does that move your needle at all? Don't really know what it's to where expect one, here. One website. Takes. No, I get what it is. Well, yeah. he, he didn't. I just wanted to be filled in with what oh. I could be expecting here. So this website I found gives at least 50 mock drafts that they found in the internet and says who everybody has going first, second, third, and fourth. Okay. Well, and then they do an aggregate. Uh, they didn't They didn't tally it up. <laughs> I thought that's what you said. was a little disappointing. Okay. Uh, but I can just tell you who so most of these people, of the, the... I know who it is. I'm sure I know who it is. What do you think? What do you think Alabama? They're going to have Tua from Alabama going to the Lions. Some of them do. Yep. Uh, About five of the top fifteen have Tua, and Akuda would be the next. One guy, NFL draft geek Brian, has Justin Herbert going to the Lions. Great. So if you think Tua is bad, Brad, (laughs) what about Justin Herbert? I don't have a problem with Justin Herbert. You'd prefer him over Tua? I don't know. I truly don't. I haven't looked deep enough yet. How many months away are we from the draft? Two. two. Yeah. Probably almost exactly two. Mm-hmm. End of close. April, first yeah. week in May, I yeah. think, this year. You got to do your research. In Vegas. And it's going to Green Bay in a couple years, it came out, the NFL draft. Good place to hold it. Yeah. Not. Football starved. Oh, wow. what are you talking about? Wow. That place will be jammed. Do you guys know that? You also uh, would have said the same thing about Nashville, I'm sure. What's wrong with Nashville? Nash Vegas. Do you guys know that... Uh, you know, the fans of Green Bay Packers, they own part of the team. You know that? What? Anyways, yeah. we'll, we'll yep. move on as mm-hmm. we are just insulting anyone who's listening right now. Yeah. We move on the offseason podcast next. We're back here on ESPN 100.9 FM, your local sports leader. It's the offseason podcast. Matt DeVries, Blake Froling, Brad Sunny with you inside the studios, high atop Dow Diamond in downtown Midland. And at this point, in the show, we want to turn it over to uh, the one and only Dan Satkowski. He's in studio with us. And Ski, uh, you've been with uh, the radio station on and off since we began, really. And uh, you just wrapped up this year's coverage with Blake last week for you. Our coverage will continue throughout the MHSA tournament. But uh, kind of uh, an end of an era. Your time with uh, 100.9 coming to an end. So we wanted to make sure we had you in studio. And you brought parting gifts as well with you before you head down south to South Carolina. Well, uh, I, I thank you. I thank you, and I thank Blake and, and Brad and, 
And I really thought you just invited me up to bring the punch keys, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm more than than proud to be part of this team and to be part of 100.9 FM ESPN. You guys do a great job for the Saginaw Valley. Uh, I don't think everyone realizes that that is the oldest athletic high school association in the state of Michigan and the third oldest association in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm proud to say I've been part of that association for 24 years at Saginaw High and uh, and now part of your productions and enjoyment for solidly the last three years and on and off since I was telling Blake the other day, I mean, I remember when Brad Golden oh, was yeah. here, you know. Oh, yeah, there, there are some tapes in the archives of, uh, of you throwing out some names and some touchdown calls that – are more Dan Sakowski than Brad Golder. Those are uh, those are fun to listen to. Yeah, you know, and I and I've I've enjoyed this, and I've had buddies and ex coaches tell me uh, they can tell I enjoy what I do, uh, and so it's great. Uh, it is a new chapter. Yeah, a new chapter. I'm moving down to South Carolina. Uh, I don't know if I can say go uh, Gamecocks. You can uh, go Tigers. I mean, Clemson Tigers. Clemson Tigers. Uh, Latch on to a winner. Uh, like the Irish and the Blue Devils <laughs> okay. over there. Okay. Uh, okay. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we wanted to have you on and just kind of let you have share some thoughts, you know, from your career at the high. Um, you know, you've also um, been involved at Northwood, and we were talking about Coach Ritma here a little bit before we we sat down and. Um, just kind of a chance to to kind of get anything on record that we want to make sure we can try and get from you because you have so much knowledge that you share with us in car rides and during broadcasts. You know, some for the air, some not for the air. But um, you know, it's uh, it's always been a pleasure to hear some of the stories that come out of both the high and just the travels of of ski for sure. Well, I, I appreciate that. And one of the things I need to talk about is I, I've been a very blessed individual. I've been. In this state of Michigan now for 38 years, that's a little bit over half of my lifetime. Uh, And in those 38 years, I go back to 1978, uh, winning a state championship at St. Martin de Porres with a Hall of Fame coach, uh, Coach Thompson, Tiny Thompson. Uh, Tiny was about 6'1", about 285. (laughs) And Tiny Small. coached his last <laughs> game at the Porus from a wheelchair after he had uh, both of his legs amputated uh, due to diabetes. Wow. And, and he's a Hall of Fame coach. I came up here <clears throat> to the Tri-City areas, and I coached with another Hall of Fame coach, Coach John Loop, who played at Bay City Central, whose dad was on Elmer Angle's staff, uh, Coach Loop himself. And then I've been fortunate enough to, to be with Coach Don Durrett as a state champion at Saginaw High. Uh, I would have never gotten where I did as an AD if it wasn't for another Hall of Fame coach, Marshall Thomas. Mm-hmm. Coach T, as he's known mm-hmm. in the area across across the United States. Uh, you mentioned Coach Ritma. I was fortunate enough that he brought me on his staff at Northwood. Uh, I even got a outside of high school championships. Uh, a lot of people don't know that, and I like to share sometimes that I won a 
championship with the Saginaw Sting in oh. arena football. <laughs> uh, no longer uh, part of the CIFL or the AFL. Uh, was a great time. Uh, you know, I uh, was at Nouvelle with another legend, Coach Smokey Boyd, who is not only a Michigan high school Hall of Fame coach, but also a national high school uh, football Hall of Fame coach. He's got the field named after him. He does, Boyd Field. And Mm -hmm. his son, Mike Boyd, was the coach after Smokey retired. And then Mike retired, and now it's in the new hands of a a Nouvelle grad. Uh, You know, I've witnessed in my career as an AD or as a coach uh, nine state championships. Mm-hmm. Uh, everywhere from Joe Ricard at Nouvelle in uh, basketball to Steve Jaxa, who is now the coach at SVSU, who was the coach at CMU. He won uh, baseball championships at Nouvelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I said before, Coach T with basketball at the high, Coach Lou Dawkins, yeah. uh, Coach Julian Taylor. <clears throat> we wrapped up Friday night, Blake and I, and mm-hmm. uh, Ju thanked me for his very first year, he won a state championship, and I remember distinctly telling you when we hired him, "Whatever you need this year, we'll get you to Lansing," and, and he did it. So, and uh, it, it's crazy through all these years how you and Jew were able to go back and talk about your second half adjustments for the state championship game, and just like the the little details you could still recall after all these years, all these games, and all these championships. Well. You know, sports has always been special to me, and, and uh, it, it's been a part of my life. And uh, I myself have been fortunate enough to have been on uh, conference championship teams, state championship teams. Uh, way back in the day, I was fortunate enough to to go and play a Division three football for two years, and then they told me I had to go to class, and I, I thought I just had to play football. So that, that changed careers for me. Uh, and I came to Midland, and, uh, and I raised my son, who I'm going to go live with in South Carolina, mm-hmm. better known across the area as Little Ski, <laughs> soon to be Grandpa Ski with Baby Ski. But, you know, I've coached Little League baseball. I've coached Little League football. I've coached high school baseball, football, softball, uh, I coached golf at the high, you know, when we started a golf program. Uh, sports is uh, sports leads you into a lot of different areas, and and I've built relationships. Uh, I know you guys say that, and I think you joke about it, but I don't think there's any city or town or gym I, I, I don't walk in and, and can probably talk to somebody. <laughs> it's unbelievable. No matter where we go, every game I've been to with you, no matter where it is, what time of year, out of the valley, in the valleys, someone knows you. Hey, Ski, how's it going? It, 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 I've never witnessed that with anybody I've ever met. Yeah, and and, uh, and those are all good memories. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to miss that. You know, I, you know, I'm pulling up stakes Friday, and I don't know how I can work coming back maybe down to the Brez to hopefully watch <laughs> an SVL team play down there. But uh, yeah. uh, it's going to be hard. Uh, not being part of this anymore. It really is. Uh, I mean, uh, sports has just been a part of my, my life. Uh, and thank God that my son knows some people. And I mean, so I'm leaving here, but on March 5th, I'm working the scoreboard for the Augusta green jackets (laughs) as the, 
Georgia Bulldogs play Southern Georgia, you know, at SRP Park in in North Augusta. So come on down and and, <laughs> and make sure I hit the right strike or ball or outs up there. Yeah, shocking that you couldn't stay away. You're gonna you're gonna find a, a new home rather quickly. I'm sure you'll be uh, a stone's throw away for the Masters every year, which I'm sure you're gonna become mm. a regular at, no doubt. Uh, maybe get invited to the club. What do you think? Uh, invited <laughs> <coughs> per mistake. Uh, <laughs> Boy, oh boy, yeah, 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 no. It, and again, and, and I throw this out to anybody, uh, uh, you guys here and anybody listening who knows me, you know, I am going to be living in North Augusta. <laughs> I will be nine and a half miles from Augusta National. Yeah. And uh, come on down. I'll have a place for you to relax. And uh, if you've never been to the Masters, it, it's uh, the Disneyland of golf. Yeah. For sure. So Dan Sadkowski with us here inside the studios here at ESPN 100.9 FM. And Ski, I know we probably all have a couple things we want to ask you before we we let you go and kind of unofficially, you know, close out the the run for, for Ski at 100.9 FM. So I'll, I'll give these guys a chance too, but I want to kick it off. Do you have a favorite game that you called for us specifically? I know you've been involved in some great games, you know, going to the Breslin, going to the Silverdome, but was there one game on a broadcast with Brad Golder, Jared Sandler, Matt Park back in the day, uh, Blake, Brad, myself, any game that you can remember that really stuck out to you? Well, we, we've done a couple overtimes in basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, those are always exciting. Right. Uh, of course, the Heritage Girls, they, they've made some great runs, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Special place in my heart, of course, always lies with uh, the high and going to the high or the hill doing that. But, you know, I'm a football coach. You know, my blood is, you know, first and ten, you know, fourth and inches. Uh, I've always enjoyed, no matter where we've gone to do football, uh, and I really thought when we were doing the Chemex in the playoffs last year. Yeah. And when they played Mona Shores. Midland Mona Shores <laughs> last year ago. at, uh, or yeah, two football seasons ago down at uh, Grand Ledge. Grand Ledge. Grand Ledge, yeah, with all the snow and the ice. And the ice. Yeah. Uh, and we went down there, and, and they were loaded. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yeah, Mona Shores beat them. Yeah. yeah. But I, that was the excitement for me, you mm-hmm. know, because I, I lived, being part of the Midland community, even though my son graduated from Dow, I've never bought into, you know, Dow, Chemex. You know, I've just have always tried to support both sides. Right. Uh, and, and that was it. You know, I remember that game because mm-hmm. I just I just thought they were going to make a run, you know. Uh, but I'll tell you what, we've, we've seen some great games between Midland mm-hmm. and Dow in football. I don't care what the records are. Yeah. I, that's, I mean, my, my time I don't think is done with 100.9 yet, but those always will stick with me is doing especially the last couple of years when I've done them with Brad the 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 crosstown rivalry and and sometimes it's it's the the week 9 game the playoffs are a little bit different because yeah one team season is ending but it definitely feels like bragging rights are on the line when it's the city championship it's week 9 it's the end of the season it's late October it's right around Halloween that those ones always always really stick out yeah and and, and of course you you know you three fellows here we're not in the area back in the day when the Saginaw Valley had, 
you know, four teams, high schools in Flint. Mm, I, mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about seeing athletes or competition. Right. Uh, filling the, you were here for the Flintstones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was here for the Flintstones and Tolbear over at uh, uh, Flint Northwestern going to USC, you know. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Bell and his brother at Southwestern. Yeah. Uh, that point guard who wore green and white. Uh, help me out, Blake. Come uh, on, Mateen. Mateen. Mateen <laughs> Cleese. Uh, uh, you, you know, that's another special thing that I've enjoyed. I don't know how many collegiate coaches or professional coaches I met my years at the high when when we were sending guys to all levels at the college level. Right. And then we've been blessed enough to know some of the guys making in the pros. So, sure. uh, yeah. But I, I would have to say probably the chemics. Uh, in that football game at Mona Shores, that was exciting. I remember that game specifically because it almost didn't get on the air. Mm. <laughs> that was the game where I think Blake was with some equipment. We had some equipment. We had to borrow some equipment from a local radio station to just get it on the air. And Ski shows up gun-ho, and I'm, I've been stressing all week that we're not going to get on the air. And this guy is just walking up the steps. I'm waiting for him to fall over because there's so much ice all over the steps and everything. Yeah, that was a fun day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good day. Yeah. Good good memories. You had an interesting conversation with Hugh Burnwriter a couple nights ago at our last SVL game, and I think it would be interesting for our listeners. You guys were talking about what you thought was the most talented team in the history of Michigan for high school football, and I'm curious if you would want to share what you think, which team that was, and why it was the most talented that you've seen. 2,000 Trojans? Well, well... <laughs> It could be, you know, I mean, that that team was loaded with athletes. Uh, We sat down and we talked that team from 99, the the program. We we don't want to talk about a year at the high, Mm -hmm. but the program from 99 to 2002, there were 37 guys from Saginaw High playing on a Saturday afternoon, Division One, Two, or Three wow. football. That's uh, incredible. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at all levels. You know, we had guys playing up at Minnesota uh, for for Minnesota Jackson. We had guys, of course, at Michigan. We had guys at State. We had guys at Albion. We had guys in Hawaii. We had guys at CMU. Mm-hmm. Tory Humphreys. I mean, you know, who later played for the Saints in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charleston Hughes, a lot of people don't realize, Charleston Hughes went from the high to Northwood to the Canadian Football League and won two Grey Cups up there and a defensive player of the year. His name still comes up uh, at Northwood oh, in conversation, for yeah, sure. Yeah, but but you're right, Blake. It, it was that that championship team of of the high you know and of course we talked about the flintstones you know flint northern i mean mateen cleves was the quarterback and the safety and he had a a a tackle by the name of well the guy stood 6'6 320 by the name of robert smith oh yeah uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, I, help me out, Blake. Uh, you know, I mean, Hugh Hugh is a great guy to talk about with sports. Oh yeah, and that go ahead. I couldn't believe that that number that you mentioned about how many guys playing college. Will we ever see that? They were like the U of high school football, right? The, the run of the U when they had all those kids, guys go to the the league. 
It was like that at Saginaw High. That's in my head. I've always thought since I've entered the region, that stretch of football for Saginaw, in my head, I compare it to the stretch of football that we saw from Miami uh, when they had all those guys going to the league. And Robert Smith, his name's on a wall at Atwood Stadium now. Well, yeah. I, I mean, we did the games there this year. And, 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 and again, it's nice to see that icon yeah. in the Valley yeah. still existing. And when we talk about the Valley, let, let's not forget the Valley is changing drastically. I mean, there are now 15 teams in the Valley, 14, mm-hmm. a North and a South, mm-hmm. possibly soon if things go the way things are planned in Saginaw for the high and the hill to be one school, can we see? I, I, I mean, people don't understand this. You know, the high has also had some great wrestlers and some great track guys. Uh, I mean, probably the greatest event, and it was not covered by a uh, TV or a radio station, was watching Charles Rogers and Stu Schweigert in the state, you know, regionals running at. Yeah, I mean, it was eight deep off the, off the fence watching that. You know, well, yeah, we've we've heard stories for years about that. Like, sure, the guys went toe to toe in football, but it was the one hundred yard dash. It was just watching these guys run track was almost as exciting as what they did in, in football. You know, so we we might see that again. You know, if those two schools come together, I mean, you can you imagine the the basketball talent? Yeah, can you imagine? the football ability coming back on or the track stars mm-hmm. or the wrestling stars mm-hmm. and the Valley is changing. You know, I mean, we have some great competition in the Valley mm-hmm. and then we have teams who unfortunately hit that cycle, if you will, you know, the, the pendulum swings back and forth and, and we've covered some great basketball teams this year, you know, uh, Grand Blank, you know, Coach Mike Thomas, yeah. a Trojan, <laughs> you know, who went to Albion and then, you know, coached at Northwood and coached at Kalamazoo Central. But he's a Trojan. He knows what winning's all about, and, he, and he's and he got some winners on his team. Mm-hmm. Brad, any uh, any lasting thoughts that you want to make sure you get out of this guy before he sends all-caps texts to us for <laughs> the next 10, 15 yeah, years? Yeah, we'll, we'll be waiting on the all-caps tweets, too. <laughs> well, well, but we want to make sure I text the right guy, though, That's right? right. That's yeah, right. I had the wrong Matt in a group text for three weeks. Some schlumps getting uh, some other text. <laughs> Someone else is getting yelled at. <laughs> yeah. you, you gave the best team. What about the best player you saw? All the banners that we see in, in the basketball arena with – Draymond and Lamar Woodley and Charles Rogers, Annette Babers, all those names. Yeah, there is no question in my mind and anybody in my era, the best the best athlete I watched was Lamar Woodley. Mm. And you could talk to, and again, I'm going to miss those guys, the officials. Mm-hmm. You could talk to any official who watched Lamar as a ninth grader to a senior on the football field, on the basketball court, and on track as a discus and shot man, I mean, Lamar was pure talent from, from day one. Uh, you did not want to take a charge by running into him uh, <laughs> or him running into you in the, on the basketball floor. And when he played offensive tackle and we ran the sweep, uh, it, it went. And when he was playing defensive end and he was on a blitz call, 
the blitz call was the correct call. Even if it wasn't that old, it was the it was the right call. So, uh, but definitely Lamar. And you know, I go back to Lamar gave a whole lot to the high. Uh, Lamar's responsible for me uh, again. I'll throw a flag up. Uh, <clears throat> Me being broadcasted on ESPN with Rachel Nichols in in the locker room. Hello. (laughs) My son called me up saying, you're you're meeting with who? I didn't know who the young lady was. I I hold that in my memory now, you know. Uh, On TV. On TV. Big time ski. Yeah. Look it up. You know, (laughs) Google it, you know. Look it up. Uh, So, yeah, Lamar Woodley. Uh, But, you know, this area has been blessed with a lot of athletes. Mm, it yeah. really has. And you there's, guys have covered. Yeah, there's so many. I mean, yeah. there, you don't even want to throw out names because you're inevitably going to leave people out. I well, mean, there's just so many talented men and women that have come out of this area. Yeah, and, and talking about men and women, and and I think it's important that you realize when you talk about athletes, you don't have to talk about somebody making it to the next level and the next level. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- there are great athletic guys and women with sportsmanship. Uh, mm. We were out for lunch the other day. I in- introduced you to one guy, Matt Gronzo, you know, who mm-hmm. was just a young man who was yeah, who was torturing kids as a <laughs> as a man because he beat up on the softball teams 47 to nothing, he yeah. told us. Yeah, yeah no, well, uh, no mercy rule in yeah, Little League. Yeah, back well, then. you know, it is what it is. So anyway, so <laughs> yeah, you guys were crushing teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, uh, okay. He's not a participa- or participation trophy kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not getting a medal from me unless you deserve it, okay? And and by the way, guys, uh, you deserve a medal. I, I want you to know uh, whatever I've done this year, uh, you've helped me do that, and, and you don't know <clears throat> I'm going to miss you guys. And uh, just thanks a whole lot for giving me a different chapter in my book, uh, and, and and I will remember this. I remember... Uh... You know, and and we'll we'll wrap it up with this and get your final thoughts. But I remember any time anyone ever thought, you know, who who can who can come call a game with us. I mean, it was always Ski was the first name that came up because I mean, Blake's experienced it firsthand the last two years. You're an endless encyclopedia of knowledge. None of us, all three of us put together, have have can't can't hold a candle to all the stuff that you know about what's happened here in the, in the region for sure. So yeah, and how coaches just immediately light up. <laughs> Even if they've never met you, by the time the conversation is over, it's like you guys are best friends because you just speak the language and the depth of your knowledge, not only with the SVL, but just area basketball and football uh, gives us insight where we don't even have to say anything. And and you are just able to evoke these answers that we normally wouldn't get because the amount of respect they have for you is so high. And and then some of those coaches, you know, like next week, say, "Well, keep ski away a little bit. You know, it's a little too much." Like, you mean ski finally isn't here? Okay, <laughs> no, no, uh, yeah. no. Uh, and yeah, and, and those, uh, you know, there's a fraternity amongst uh, athletes, but there's a fraternity amongst coaches, mm. and there's a, and you guys know this. There's a fraternity out there amongst. Sports fans, mm. you know, I mean, there are guys who are at athletic events that aren't connected to that school, but they're connected to the sport. Mm-hmm. And that's the great thing about 100.9, what you guys do. You know, you you allow people, you know, to experience that. Uh, and so I hope, you know, I, I don't know the business side of it. I hope you guys continue to do what you're doing. I've told you before, and I'll say it on air. There's some other great schools and competitions in the area. I, I hope you, 
you can get them some coverage, sure. you know. Uh, but again, for what you did for the Valley, what you did for me, uh, <clears throat> you'll be remembered in my, in my memoirs. Uh, and, Can't wait and, to read them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it'll, it'll be a short uh, a short book or a short paragraph. A picture but, book. Uh, picture book, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, with capital letters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll never forget everything you did for us, too. So, I mean, you, you always hold a special place at this radio station, in this building. And, I, I mean, for me, for sure, I won't speak for them, but I'm sure, you know, they... Well, you'll always hold a special spot for for all of us for sure. So I'll uh, I'll miss filling out your hours every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll and I'll miss texting you saying you won't believe this, but <laughs> that's the beauty of uh, cell phones. You can still text us if you want. So. I, and I will. I, I'm I just got to make sure I get the right mat in my contacts. Right. So yeah. Well, thanks, Ski. Thank uh, you so much. Ski. Best of luck, and uh, we'll we'll definitely keep in touch. And I'm sure. This won't be the last time we see you in person. We'll find you. We'll find you at the high sometime, or we'll find you out at a at a game, maybe at Notre Dame Stadium for for an Irish game. Let's go Irish. Go. Hey, and don't forget, guys. There's four more punch keys here. So <laughs> I already fat, had my limit. Happy Fat Tuesday to everybody. Uh, thanks again, Ski. We'll uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you much. Back after this on ESPN 100.9 FM. Final segment here on the Offseason Podcast here on your local sports leader, ESPN 100.9 FM. Matt DeVries, Blake Froling, Brad Tunney with you this week. Thank you for sticking with us on a Friday night. If you're listening over the weekend, any way you find the podcast, appreciate you tuning in. Maybe you found it on the homepage at ESPN1009.com. New look website for the radio station. Check it out. Both podcasts are on the homepage. Just scroll down for the Offseason Podcast and Joe's Disposable Podcast. You can also find them on Spotify now as well and wherever else you find your podcasts. So I'm glad you brought that up, Matthew, mm-hmm. because the Offseason Podcast is moving. Right now, everybody listening subscribes to ESPN. They do not subscribe to the Offseason Podcast. That's mm-hmm. why the listeners get the Offseason Podcast and Joe's Disposable Podcast on the same feed. So we have fixed that. So if you only want the Offseason Podcast... Yeah. Just search the off-season podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play, and you'll be able to find it there. Same thing for Joe's Disposable Podcast. So they're splitting up. That way it's easier for fans of one, but maybe not the other. You just get what you want. And it may take a minute to find it in the search, right? You might have to... That's right. Since we just put the off-season podcast on, and there's a bunch of people that have copied us by putting the off-season in their name... It might help you if you search the off-season podcast ESPN 100.9 FM. But it, it is there, I promise. It or if there. you just search ESPN the off-season podcast, it'll be the top result. Okay, that works too. <laughs> yeah. Just to simplify, just to help. Okay. It's the same thing, just backwards. Uh, quick hits to wrap up the show this week uh, here on the off-season podcast. Loon's promo schedule is out. Have you guys had a chance to look at it yet? What excites you? What should fans mm. be paying attention to? I'll let you guys answer first before I hit home what I think people really should be listening for. Major League Night okay. uh, jumps out to me. Mm-hmm. All the celebrity appearances are good. I was a huge fan of the movie, so okay. uh, getting Roger Dorn in the building is big. Mm-hmm. That's your number one? That's probably my number one, yeah. Brad, what's your number one for the promo schedule this year? Number one. Yeah. Ooh. It doesn't uh, have to be an appearance. It can be just anything that's new for 2020. Uh, boy, number one. I have a feeling of what I, what it should be for you, but you're not. I think zeroing uh, in on it. Number one is going to be June 25th. The Dodgers inspired loons uniforms, which will be cool. On top of that, Terry Collins will be here, Mm -hmm. and just a little extra juice. That's the day after the All Star break. 
which means, you know, there'll be some extra energy. You'll be happy to be back at the ballpark a little bit. So that's a, a big day on the calendar and for And the me. Whitecaps are in town. Tigers affiliate, the West Michigan Whitecaps. Wow. One of two series at Dow Diamond this year will be the opening week and day after the uh, the weekend after the All-Star break. So it doesn't move my needle as much. Well, it moves a lot of I people's know needle here. Needle Sold out here. three nights in a row last year. So that's, year, a, so. that's a big one for me. And then obviously the, uh, the Bark in the Park nights. <sighs> Oh, yeah. um, which, a, which is listed that. online as only May 27 and September 2nd, but we know that it's actually every Wednesday. And it's called? Uh, Dog Days of Summer. There it is. But what are the Bark in the Park nights then? So Bark in the Park, it bookends Dog Days of Summer. So it's the kickoff and the wrap-up. Ah. So we'll have special uh, things happening at the ballpark that are highlighting dogs. We might have some... Dog themed giveaways. We usually have some of the any the Tito's shel- in the building. The shelters. Um, that's not going to be mentioned just yet. All right. So we're hoping to have them back, but appreciate you mentioning <laughs> that. So put the pressure. Maybe on that's them. the encouragement for them to sign their contract. Come on back to to the loons for twenty twenty. Are we uh, getting members of the Boop Squad coming for any of those? Uh, the well, Boop Squad will be in attendance every Wednesday night. Nice. Are you serious? They're going to come every week. Yeah. Why not? I, that seems like a lot. It seems like a lot to Oh, they're going to be enough. here. If I got an excuse to bring them in, they're going to be here. They're going to be in the booth. Oh, just in the booth. Maybe not with your significant other, Haley. But you Oh, if she be... can't come, I'm going to have to keep them up here. I can't just let them hold court downstairs. <laughs> okay. They would. They would they hold would. court. Memphis, Memphis would be welcome. Daisy has to earn her right to come because she can't even go on a uh, walk right now. That's fair. So yeah. there would be mayhem to bring her to the ballpark. Okay. So Tough. We'll see how that works out. Okay. Uh, Brad, latest on Northwood basketball. Uh, they played basketball yesterday. That would be on Thursday, and they were down at SVSU. Both the men and the women won huge, huge wins. Uh, Travis McCurdy, longtime SID at Northwood, said it was one of the best days uh, in terms of basketball in school history. Um, one of the best nights. Not only did both teams get a win, uh, Northwood on the women's side ultimately do not get into the conference tournament, but the win allowed them to be in the discussion, which created a ton of drama during the men's game because Northern Michigan and Michigan Tech were playing on a flip schedule. So the women were playing second, which meant all of us. At one point, Travis and I were doing uh, play-by-play based on the play-by-play coming in online of that game, which was being played in Marquette. While the game in front of us was being played, we were doing the play-by-play of both games at the same time. Say play-by-play again. Play-by-playception. That's right. So they end up not getting in. Unfortunately, I think it was a three-point loss for Northern Michigan if they had won. Northwood would have gotten in. Great turnaround for their season. Started 0-6 in the conference um, and ended up winning six of their last nine games. We made the argument yesterday that we thought going in uh, towards the end of the regular season, as of today, I think personally the Northwood women are the fourth best team in the conference. And unfortunately, they just won't be playing in the conference tournament, just how the tiebreaker shook out. Had to go deep to the third tiebreaker, which ended up being... First, a point system that they were tied on with SVSU. Second, head-to-head, which they were tied with SVSU. And third was, a, as the conference uh, writes it out as, a notable road win. Who had the best road win? And Northwood did not get a road win against one of the top three teams in the conference. Uh, I think SVSU beat the fourth best team in the conference on the road, so they end up getting in over hmm. Northwood because of that specific tiebreaker. And then on the men's side, they they're are in. <laughs> they're in. They were in coming into the day. They needed a win and a Grand Valley State win to host for the first time in program history, and that's what they'll be doing come Tuesday night, seven o'clock from the Bennett Center 
First time ever in program history that they'll be hosting in the conference tournament. They start conference play three and seven this year. They finish eight and two. Let's go. So they go eleven and nine in conference play. It's four straight years improving on their conference record and their overall record. Uh, this is one of the better years in program history. Um, so first time ever hosting. It's the first time either basketball program will be hosting a conference tournament game in a decade. So it'll be huge, huge stuff. Uh, from Rima Arena Tuesday night, 7 o'clock against Davenport, the only playoff team, the only conference tournament team that Northwood didn't beat this year during the regular season. Ooh. They got at least one win against all other, all the other seven conference tournament teams. Six Drama. conference tournament teams. And we had a mini court storm Let's go. after the men's game. There's they did a- storm the court at SVSU. They chanted, this is our court. Yeah. This is our home. Uh, at SVSU. Do they have grounds to do that? I mean, you're going to win on their floor, counts. even though won. SVSU I mean, beat that's... them on their floor earlier in the year. So, you know, you yeah, got to be careful there. Couldn't score more than 50. There were more Northwood fans there than SVSU fans. Yes, yeah, easily. I, I never got a photo, which I was maybe marginally disappointed that there were about four of you. I wasn't able to make it there, and I didn't get a view of the arena. You guys were all there, and there were no shots of you. Why arena. could you make it? Oh, it's my fiance's birthday. So I think it was it yesterday. Be... It's today, but we were celebrating last night, so okay. You going to celebrate all month? Anything for the queen. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, it was a great environment. Way more students there for, even if you counted the SVSU band, there were more Northwood students there. That's awesome. In SVSU. So Tuesday night, the Northwood men in the GLIAC tournament. If you can, get yourself there. Uh, We'll be be on the deuce that night. Oh, and go okay. northwood.com. Okay, fair enough. But uh, tune in, and uh, kudos to Jeff Reckaway. He's been uh, the head of this program for Ten years. for a while now and uh, really starting to to make some noise in the GLIAC and uh, with with the players they have on the roster right now and some some young, promising prospects could be a good couple-year run for, for the Northwood men in the GLIAC. Uh, Blake, the Red Wings do make a couple trades at the deadline to add some some draft pick depth. So, in this sporting news article that I found, they ranked every NFL quarterback. Don't want to mention the Red Wings thing no. that I teed you up for? They're, I was going to give you a chance to do this, but I wanted you to follow along with what I had written out. It's part of the joke, that the, the Red Wings are, are irrelevant. They made two trades. To them. Come on. Congratulations okay, from... Andreas Anton oh, okay. and Mike Green go to the Oilers. They get three draft picks What did you back. say his last name was? <laughs> Anton Asiyu? 2020 second round pick, a 2020 fourth round pick, and a 2021 second round pick. Steve Eiserman, in his press conference on deadline day, said you just need to get as many lottery picks as you can. You don't know what you're going to hit on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Costa, our friend at ESPN 961 in Grand Rapids, said Eiserman drafted two 40 goal scorers while in charge of the Tampa Bay Lightning with second round picks. So trust Steve Eiserman with as much draft capital as you can. It's in better hands than it used to be because Ken Holland was the guy that was giving all these draft picks to us this time. He is the GM in Edmonton. So that's what a team needs for a playoff push is guys from the worst team in the league. Absolutely. That's yeah. that's what gets you over the top. I think all, it was something to be excited about for the Red Wings. All I wanted to do, and you guys had it's to make a mockery it. of it, so well, appreciate it. Making a mockery wanna, of the Red Wings. Guy who didn't want to talk hockey, trying to correct my uh, yeah. pronunciation of a hockey player. That was name, him. So. I, I did not do the correction. Well, I mean, I that, that was bad. All right. I just want that to be known. That was real <laughs> Say bad. Say it then. And Tennessee you? You don't even know You don't even it. know? So there you go. Say it with confidence. Continues. Did I not just say it? Yeah, but you said it you like said a question. You said it with a question mark at the end of it. Well, because it should be pretty pretty common that all of us know how to say his last name. But you still were unsure. As I was being sarcastic in that, how can you not know uh, how to say his last name? Okay. It's not an easy name to say. All right. Here we go. Let's keep going here. 
You wanted to railroad Red Wings for something else. Please. There's your railroad. Sporting News ranked all 56 quarterbacks that have been drafted in the first round since 2000. Where do you think Matthew Stafford ranked? Out of 56. What was the question? 56 quarterbacks have been drafted in the first round since 2000. Where do you think Matthew Stafford ranked? Based on career performance in the NFL. Yeah. What else would and be this is on? subjective, right? Not just you know based on. No, there's not like one metric that they. Is Aaron Rodgers number one? Yes. Damn straight. Um, I'll. Do you want a, a number? Just like yeah. to pick a number. Give me a number. Uh, fourteen. Okay. I was gonna say like twelfth. Close. Eleventh. Right. Every quarterback ahead of him either has an MVP or has won a playoff game. <laughs> I would say played in a playoff game. Well, so he has played, played in, in a playoff multiple. game. Multiple. So. Interesting. I think that's pretty fair. Right behind Deshaun Watson, behind Eli Manning. And in front of? And in front of, as I scroll down, Jamarcus Russell was last, by the way. Uh, Joey Harrington was was in the middle of this list, higher right. than I thought he would be. I asked who was 12th. How I many know. playoff games has Stafford played in? Two? Three. Three. Carson Wentz, 13th. Andrew Luck, 12th. Matthew Stafford, 11th. Okay. Deshaun Watson, 10. Mike Vick, 9. Uh, Eli. Four playoff games, sorry, right against two. I, th- I'm I'm terrible at remembering these things of years of Super Bowls. 2011 like against the Saints, 2014, and then three against of the, last the six. Cowboys, yeah. 2016 against the Seahawks. So that's three. It's three. Brad said four. That's all I've got. Unless I miss, I'm missing one. Maybe three. Or, yeah, probably three. So how can't, do you remember the years? Because well, there's not too many to remember. Yeah. Well, I know, but like you can. Were we talking 11, at, 14, and 16, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. But like you could probably tell me who won the Super not Bowl 17? in 2014. Mm, not as good with that. I think that was the Patriots over the Seahawks. Though. See, but I wouldn't even have a clue. I think. I mean, I could be wrong. What's that, Brad? Did they make it in 17? No. I want to do a stump the Schwab with you. I want to come up with 10 I'm sports trivia good. questions. I, but I. Phrase, like picked in a way that you sh- you should probably know the answers or you could probably know them and things that I would not know the answer to. I'd like to do that. All Maybe right. We'll do that next Fire time. it up. Quick hits okay. next time. All right. Uh, I'll steal this from Brad since he probably doesn't want to talk about it much. Uh, what? The Athletics' Keith Law put out the Tigers' top 10 prospects since the Tigers aren't going to be very good at the major league level. Maybe names you should be uh, keeping your ears on and eyes on this year. Casey Mize is number one. He's the 20th overall prospect in all of baseball. He was the Tigers' number one pick uh, two years ago. But the name that maybe surprises most people is this left-hander, Tariq Skubal. He's the 24th prospect in all of baseball. He was a ninth-round pick out of 20, in 2018 out of Seattle University. And he missed nearly two years due to Tommy John. Uh, and this is the first time this spring I think a lot of us are hearing of Tariq Skubal. He did pitch for the Whitecaps briefly, so maybe it's you're Tarek. big, whatever. Thank you, Brad. <laughs> Thank you for that contribution. Um, but kind of a, a low-risk, you know, potential high-reward draft pick in the ninth round with an injury-riddled prospect, and now he's the number two prospect for the Tigers. Other names on the list, pitcher Matt Manning is three. Riley Green, uh, a guy who a lot of us saw with the West Michigan Whitecaps last year. Um, an outfielder is number four. Isaac Paredes, Willie Castro, Parker Meadows, Joey Wentz, Daz Cameron, and Nick Quintana are the top ten. Does anything jump out of you uh, out at you from this list? One through ten, there's also 11 through 20 as well. Surprising that the Tigers seemingly had a good pick in a later round of the draft. That's mm-hmm. not something they 
have really done recently. And even some of their first-round picks are still slow to develop. So that was surprising. What do you got, Brad? Brad doesn't want to give anything to the Tigers. Yeah, I don't really have much on on these guys. Even though you've seen all of them. I, I have seen all of them. Well, not all of them. I mean, I've seen... Boy, I've seen four, five, six of the top ten. And not many impressed, to be completely honest with you. Um, I thought Nick Quintana was one of the worst players I saw in the entire Midwest League last year. And he was a the second-round pick of the Tigers last season, or the third-round pick. College-level guy, and I'm telling you, like, offensively, couldn't have hit something I threw at him. In a full series, I think he had negative hits. But uh, it, it is nice that the Tigers are now, look, a top-15 farm system, but I think skeptics will continue to talk about this farm system is look you guys have been in a rebuild for how many years why do you not have a top five system Mm -hmm. why do you not have a team that can win 70 games at the major league level it's taken way too long and for ownership and management i think that so uh, as i was prepping for the show today the top sports headline on the freep or the detroit news one of them is uh, the Illich kid coming out and saying that fans need to be patient and that they are doing everything right in this rebuild. Hmm. Why Why has it been almost a decade? No, the rebuild has not been a decade. Okay, well, it's been six years, and there are many years left to go, right? Well, they missed the playoffs by one game in 2016 15? or 17, something like that. The rebuild is really like three years, if you think about it. Because they tried to hang on and continue to compete when they shouldn't have. This will be year six of having less. Oh, no, they did. Yeah, you're right. One game out of the playoffs in 16. They won less than 75 games in 15, though, too. Right, but that that wasn't. Oh, that was the year that they ended up. That was the year before they traded Verlander and everyone away. Right. They were decent. So just because you're bad doesn't mean you're rebuilding. A team can try to make the playoffs and stink. Doesn't mean all of a sudden you're in a rebuilding mode. It's about what moves you're making for the future, which is when they started trading guys like J.D. Martinez, Justin Verlander, Upton, and all those guys. Just uh, not a fan of Al Avila. Avila. Correct. Man, we're the name police today. <laughs> Goodness. DeVries hates the he, Avila he deserves name it. police. He, he got you a couple yeah. of times. We, we always used to pound uh, DeVries for Avila. Avila. Well, because his well, son goes back by to Avila. when I said wide receiver corpse during crunch time. I was raked over the goals for years. Well, you should have been for that. Thank you. That was that's an office reference. I wonder. I think that's why they call it uh, Marine Corps because you have to do so much with your core, core blaster. Michael Scott is going over his finances with Oscar. He bought a core blaster. It was like twelve hundred dollars. Like, yeah, I think that's why they call it the Marine Corps because you got to be so strong in your core. Anyway, wow. <laughs> kind of kind of burying the last quick hit, I guess, because it's kind of uh, at the end of the show. Do What's we have- the outlook for SVL schools in the MHSA tournament? Yeah, do we have uh, a dark horse in the mix? Does Grand Blank have a chance to go to Brez? What about Mount Pleasant? All the disrespect on Mount Pleasant's name that people don't think they take them seriously because of their strength of schedule. What about the girls? Can Dow make a run? Carmen Ainsworth? What do we think? Let's start with the boys. Grand Blank certainly has the talent to make mm-hmm. a run. Okay. They've got the SVL South MVP with Ty Rogers. They have five starters averaging 10 points per game or more, so they're well-balanced. It's not just the Ty Rogers show. And, in fact, he's not even their leading scorer this year. What's the path? The path, they would play Mount Pleasant in the regional final. So one of those two teams can't make a run. Okay. And after that, I haven't looked that far 
in the bracket. But I would... Would they get the Clarkston quarterfinal? I have not looked that far yet. Clarkston would be a problem for them. Is Clarkston good again this year? Yes. Clarkston is good this year. They and they're have a, big. They have a seven-foot center Curry. who's going to Northwestern. Matt, Matt Nicholson. Not Taylor Curry. Yeah, Matt Nicholson. Matt Nicholson. So they're going to be really good. I, I think Grand Blank will go to the quarterfinals, at least. So if you count that as a good run, then that's a really that's a good run, run, I would yeah. say. Saginaw High got that close. Carmen right. Ainsworth got that close. Right. I, I don't see Carmen Ain- Ainsworth or Saginaw, since they're in the same district, one of them is going to knock each other out. I don't see either one as being a huge threat on the boys' side. Mm-hmm. On the girls, Carmen Ainsworth is one of the best teams in the entire state. They've played a very difficult schedule this year. They've got the best chance of anybody of making a run. Um, Dow is right there. I mean, Dow lost so much talent from last year, and they're just as good, which is crazy to think, but it's because of the system that's in place and how those younger players learned from Amali Davis and Amazie Taylor. I mean, it's just plug and play for them, where they don't need to have the most talent. They're just going to out-execute you. So because of that, it's tough to predict what Dow can do in the playoffs because talent-wise, maybe they're not the, the best in the area, but because of that, the coaching and the system that they run, I could easily see them making a run. Dow's the uh, Toronto Raptors of the SVL this year. Yes, that's a that's a good point. You think nice. they're going to be real rebuilding? All of a sudden, boom, they're on the top of the East. Great Thing coach, high-level talent. Jada Garner replacing the numbers of uh, Maisie Taylor, maybe, just like the and, MVP. And yeah. all of their key players are back next year. Mm. So they're going to mm-hmm. dominate the SVL next year. Oh, on record. On record. <laughs> Unless Heritage can come back. Say something Which they it. will come back, yeah. of course. Uh, then get you set for what's coming up next week. Blake will have a big week of preps right. coming up uh, in a couple weeks, but it starts next week. We'll have the Northwood Coaches Show on Monday, uh, wrap up the season with Jeff Curtis, and then look ahead to that big-time matchup against Davenport with Jeff Reckaway in the men's program. Brad Sunday will be live from Molasses in downtown Midland That's right, on this Monday. Monday. Uh, so check out the Northwood Coaches Show. Tuesday, Michigan State, Penn State. Uh, that'll be post-Maryland. Will the Spartans be... Still in the hunt for a Big Ten title, or will they be out of the discussion and playing for NCAA tournament seeding? Uh, that's Michigan State, Penn State Tuesday. Girls District Semis. Blake kicks off his gauntlet in the MHSA tournament. Uh, the potential if a girls and boys team both go to Breslin, you'll do 18 games in 24 days. So that'll be something. Oof. Well, I already got sick, so hopefully that's it. Let's hope. Let's hope. Brad Tunney got sick two years in a row in the same week. Uh, to the to the day he got sick, That's so nice. let's hopefully we avoid that. And then Friday the girls district finals as well. Will we be in the same place for semis and finals next week for sure? Yes. Okay, we will be where? We will be at Dow okay. for the girls semis and finals. All right, there we go. Anything else, gentlemen? I think it was a good show. Want to yeah. thank Ski for all his service once Absolutely. again to the SVL. Mm-hmm. Wish him the best in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Now not a, place not enough stay. NBA today. What are you gonna do? What do you want to? It's all right, though. What do you want to get in? Not much. I mean, you know. Who's the? uh, You can probably name most of the top scores in the NBA this this season as far as who's averaging the the best points per game. I think number ten would surprise you. Are you surprised? Number ten, Devin Booker gets into the top ten at averaging almost twenty seven points per game. I think number three or four would surprise you more. Who, who would surprise me more? Just assuming Bradley Beal has got to be three or four right now. Okay, that's, that doesn't that's surprise a, me. Pretty... Dude's dropping 50 a game and losing every night. Well, I'm saying to Matt. Come yeah. on now. You were looking at me but when I, you said I, we have We have not given Devin Booker a lot of credit on this show in the past. Brad's never okay. been super high on him, but 
Averaging 27 a game, even on a bad Suns team, still seems pretty good. and could be a good piece if he was with a different organization. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I held on to a little bit of Devin Booker stock, and I'm, I'm happy I did. I I'm, I'd like to that, buy into empty. the Devin Booker no, stock no, again. There's no, no. There's no such this thing guy. as currency. This guy. What make, do you mean? There is. Make-believe currency that you can just I had a little bit of Devin Booker ca- stock left. I sold a lot of it, but I, I'm, I'm, I'd like some more back now, even though the price is a good bit higher. I think, <laughs> I think there's a ceiling there. Anything else? I mean, this is your opportunity at the end uh, of the show. We never mentioned the rumors that the Pistons tried to get Spencer Dinwiddie back at the trade deadline, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just want to throw that out there. That would have been nice. At least Spencer Dinwiddie didn't have to play with Kyrie Irving. <laughs> then the Nets would have really been in trouble. Is Kyrie now out for the season? They're not in trouble. Well, even more so. Just well, throwing that out there. That's it. Until we talk to you next time, for Blake and Brad, I'm Matt. Mm. This has been the Offseason Podcast. Oh yeah, kick it!